A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. It's all kicking off in the bike lanes this morning, not because Boris Johnson has taken to two wheels again, but because the government has decided to investigate whether to change the law to take account of dangerous cycling. Predictably, the bike fascists are all over it, claiming victimisation and blaming the Tories for being heartless. But surely it makes sense to protect pedestrians from dangerous cycling just as much as it does to protect cyclists from dangerous drivers. Surely that is where we need to go here. But regulation, I think, is the answer. We need licences, we need insurance, and we need a proper code of conduct for cyclists and the ability for them to be booked when they do something wrong. 0344-499-1000. Let's go even further and say ban cyclists if they persistently behave badly on the road. Coming up later, we'll be telling you why your energy ratings on appliances are completely useless, so forget that your boiler and your washing machine might be saving the planet. It ain't happening. 0344-499-1000. Casey Perry was here, so I'll be asking you why the Boris Johnson burka saga is still a rumbling on. You're listening to me, Mike Graham. And Casey Perry, on to Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Well, let's talk to Roger uh, Geffen because a big story uh, in the papers today, and I imagine this will rumble on for a while as mm. well, uh, is the fact that the Tories have come up with an idea, which seems to me to be perfectly sensible, uh, to bring in a law that may change the 100-year-old-plus law uh, about the dangers of cycling on the roads, in the same way that the dangers of dri- car driving on the roads uh, uh, is, is monitored and, and legislated for. Why not have a dangerous cycling law as well? Let's talk to Roger and find out uh, whether he agrees. Roger, very good morning to you. Morning, Roger. Good morning. Thanks very much indeed for it is sort of eminently sensible, is it not, to, to, to update a law which is so old that it was designed originally for sort of horses and carts to say, you know, if you cycle in a dangerous manner and you cause the death of somebody as a result, then there should be some kind of punishment for it and a law which we can use. Well, um, yes, we, we, we don't have it. We wouldn't disagree that, that cyclists, that there should be a greater parity between um, uh, offending cyclists and defending drivers. We're, we're, cycling UK is not in the business of defending irresponsible cycling any more than the AA or the RAC would want to defend irresponsible driving. Indeed. What we do have a problem with is the idea of doing, uh, reviewing the cycling offences on their own. And because there are such huge problems with the framework of motoring offences, hundreds of hundreds of people every every year uh, injured injured or uh, injured pedestrians as well as cyclists, or their bereaved relatives in fatal cases, are left seriously grieved by the failure of the law to distinguish clearly between careless and dangerous uh, d- d- careless and dangerous driving, with uh, driving routinely being dismissed as merely careless, where it's caused the loss of a life or the changing of a life and with uh, a few hundred pounds penalties being typical in such cases. That is an area of law that we've been calling for to be reviewed. Other road safety groups have been calling likewise. The government even promised they would do this in 2014 and yet has still not done it. Well, surely this would become part of the consultation then, wouldn't it? Because the government are only saying they want to consult on this, they want to discuss it, uh, and presumably you can have some input into that, can't you? 
Well, that is obviously how we will respond to the consultation, but the consultation is merely about how to change cycling offences. Now, the, uh, this is going to this is this is a, this is an issue that came up in response to an, an extraordinary case, uh, a terrible case, uh, with absolutely no defending the cyclist Charlie Alliston, who who uh, rode his uh, fixed wheel bike without a uh, without front brake into pedestrian King Briggs, ca- uh, causing her death. Um, and the law should respond better. Right. To, to, to and they found that, that there was, no, a, that and was... they found that it was complicated, didn't they? Because there was not really a law that covered it. Well, what they found was that the the, the best the best law that was available was um, a very archaic sounding offence of wanton and furious riding. Yeah. Uh, the fact that it's archaic isn't the problem. I mean, it actually comes from the same law that also gives us grievous body harm and actually bodily harm. It's the offences of the Person Act 1861. Yeah. It's widely used in other contexts. The problem isn't that it's archaic. The problem is that it has a maximum sentence of just two years. Right. Now, it's fair. It's absolutely fair to argue that there needs to be greater parity, but um, then also needs to be. There's also this massive mismatch between the maximum sentence available when you uh, for causing death by um, dangerous and by careless driving, and indeed the massive mismatches before causing serious injury by equally bad driving. If yeah. you call it dangerous, what is your understanding so of how that is? Area, what, what is your Roger? What's your understanding of the difference between careless and dangerous driving then? Well, I, I don't want to um, go too much into this. The problem is that the, well, I do. Because that's why we're talking law, about it. Well, the law has a very different definition from what is understood by common parlance. Um, the law distinguishes them as um, if it if it co- if it causes danger that ought to have been um, obvious to a careful and competent driver, yeah. then it should be careless. Right. Uh, sorry. So you should then should be dangerous. dangerous. Surely, yeah. Sorry. Yes. It should not be dismissed as mere carelessness because it was because of a slip of the mind. That is wrong in law. The trouble is that's what common parlance suggests, and that's one of the reasons why the law so regularly goes wrong in this yeah. area. This but is see, see, the problem is up. Roger, and I and take just, I take I yeah. take your point. It's all right. You have plenty of time to talk. I no, take okay. I take your point, and and it's a very good point, and I believe that uh, the government should indeed update one law uh, as well as another. However, it doesn't sound quite right when. People say that this is a joke law when people say that, you know, despite the fact that there's been a death caused by a very rare case, that this shouldn't be happening. And I think that's partly where the problem exists in this country between the two sides of an argument who never seem to be able to solve themselves and and agree on anything. You know, the cycling lobby, generally speaking, is quite sort of um, fiercely against the car driving lobby and vice versa. And isn't it time that we sort of regulated it all so that everybody can coexist rather than having this rather unseemly kind of spat every time cycling comes up? Well, to be honest, um, we don't have that. The the, the differences between motoring and and, uh, cycling lobbies are often exaggerated. Uh, Time and time again, um, you know, I have media interviews where I'm put head to head with somebody from a motoring organisation, whether it's the AA or the RAC or one of the other motoring organisations, and we agree with one another to the surprise of the person carrying out the interview. Uh It's very frustrating that that we keep getting this polarised perception of them and us. Um, The AA are as absolutely as clear as we are that the two tribes' depiction of of, uh, of cyclists versus motorists is uh, is largely untrue and totally unhelpful. Would you call out there, therefore, that those people on Twitter and other forms of social media that you know regularly are quite vicious in some of their attacks uh, in defending cycling? Because although you, you as a membership organisation uh, don't represent those views, yeah, surely they are you know they are the picture that we see from the cycling community. That's the problem. 
Oh, I'm I'm now struggling to work out uh, which sort of tweets you're talking to. Yes, every I mean the Twitter. Well, we've all, well, we've, I mean everybody knows Twitter is. Of, well, everyone knows Twitter's a pretty horrible place, Roger, and it's no, no <laughs> less horrible if you're if you're involved in cycling or or others. But there are there are some. I mean, if I type cycling into any tweet, you know, there are people who will pick up on that word and suddenly join in a conversation, and I usually then leave it to them to argue with whoever else is following me. But you know, it yeah. happens all the time. It's, why is it so exactly. emotive? Why is so cycling so emotive as a subject? Do you think? Well, I mean, it does come down to the fact that that people uh, people who cycle feel very very vulnerable. We're doing something. You know, cycling should be part of the solution to so many of uh, so many of problems: environmental problems, health problems, congestion problems, road safety problems. Cycling could be a really big part of the solution to all of those things. And yet, time and time again, we see government policy failing to invest in in the, in, in the conditions. Yeah, but you see, you say that, but that's rubbish, Roger. Because all you've got to do is walk around London. And don't tell me that there's been a failure to invest in cycling because the whole of London has changed dramatically as a result. Well, that's absolutely true. In the last few years, London has at last transport for London, both under uh, first under first under under Ken, then under Boris, continuing under Sadiq Khan. London has now started to invest. And how much money London. has has London as a whole, as a city, spent on cycling? Would you say? Uh, I couldn't. I couldn't give a figure for how much it has been has spent. I'm surprised you it's don't know, spending, Roger. It's now spending at a rate that is equivalent to about £17 per person annually. In no, London. I'd like, a, I'd like a global figure, please. Billions they've uh, spent, haven't they? Well, it's, so it's you can't not, rabbit on about there's been no, no investment. They've spent. They've pledged to spend £1 billion, right, under Sadiq Khan's um, mayoralty, uh, and they have yes. spent already uh, in excess of a billion. No, it won't yeah, be in excess of a billion. The billion figure was was over ten years. Um, it will certainly be hundreds of millions. Um, so that's what, in your view, that's a lack of investment, is it? Blimey! No, I was I was I was talking about outside London. I was talking about central government. I would I would I would grant that there are honourable exceptions. London being one. Greater Manchester is now starting to become another. Leicester and Brighton are others. There are cities that have started investing in cycling, despite uh, despite the lack of government support. Now. Uh, National government has now adopted a cycling walking investment strategy. It's got very little investment, not a lot of strategy either. Government earmarked investment for cycling I agree. walking outside London is about two pounds ahead compared with about seventeen pounds yeah. ahead in London. I agree. I haven't got, got any. I, I agree. I agree. I haven't got any strategy, Roger. But I mean, it's really, frankly, laughable for you to say that they have not invested in cycling. In London. I mean, it's a ridiculous thing to say. Well, no, the central government has invested very little in cycling. They've only begun to do so really in the last uh, four or five years. And the amounts that they're spending are tiny. Well, consi- considering how much they collect, hang on, course. considering how much they yeah. collect from the motoring organisations and from the motorist in taxes, they haven't spent much from them either. Well, the, the, the government's national programme for uh, investment in motorways and trunk roads is, is set to skyrocket, while, while their investment in, well, in it needs to. is actually set to decline. Yeah, but it needs to, because to make but this is my point, activity. Roger. You see, yeah. once again, we found ourselves in a polarised argument, even though you say you never have them, because here we are talking about cars versus cyclists. Now, what I want to oh. see is some kind of... Oh, I'm talking about... I'm some talking kind about of joined-up... No, I want to see some kind of joined-up thinking, Roger, where uh-huh. cyclists and motorists and pedestrians and people who ride horses can coexist on the road. At the moment, that is not happening. All you've got to do is walk down any street in London and if you stand there long enough, there'll be a fight between a motorist and a cyclist. And that's the, the reality, unfortunately. 
Yes, but you're conflating com- two completely different things. There How I am talking about government policy, and you're making out that there's some, there's some argument between cyclists and motorists. Well, it is not. an argument Motor- between... Log- well, it is. organisations agree with us that there should be greater investment in cycling. Well, it's not about greater investment. It's about more joined-up thinking, in my view. You can't just, I mean, you look at the NHS, you can't just throw money at something and expect it to work. Mm-hmm. Can you? Absolutely agree. The motoring organisations are not calling for, for massive investment in, in, in more road building. They're calling for better maintenance of the roads, and so are we. Well, they are, are also calling of... for certain certain improvements to uh, uh, the, the number of roads and the width of roads and the size of roads. Because we've got, for example, in South East England, and parts of Cornwall now are practically car parks. So you can't move for the number of cars because there's so many cars in this country. And the trouble is that roads are not big enough to support them. Well, as long as and everybody can't go on a bike. You know, I can't take my family of four on a bike down to Cornwall, can I? You could. Uh, you you can take a family of four on a on a local shopping trip if you get a freight bike. Uh, I, I, I don't bike. take There's my family on shopping trips. It's not a good idea. I can promise you that. That's what trains are for. Roger, Roger, can I ask you a question? How many cyclists yeah. is too many cyclists? How many cyclists is too many cyclists? Yeah, I just I don't. I doubt that there is such a thing as too many cyclists. If there are more, oh the more cyclists, the more people who are getting around by bike, the, the less need there is for for road space for motor vehicles. Bicycles make far more effective use of road space than cars do. This is why. Yeah, but the, but the, but the roads were built for cars, Roger. Yeah, but the roads right? were built for cars. They weren't built for bikes. Right. Bike lanes are built for bikes, surely. Uh, roads were built for roads were built for bicycles before they were being built for, and, and of course for horses and carts before they were being built for motor vehicles. Yeah, well, let's go back um, to the seventeenth century, shall we? And all live with well, candles like, instead of electricity. The, the reason why I asked that, sake, man. The reason why I asked that, Roger, is because <laughs> when you see four or five deep cyclists coming down, you know, and I know it's mainly city centres. So if you're living in, in rural no, it's communities, not. In, no, it's not. I, I, I drive around in Sussex. There's a bleeding peloton up the road. Okay, maybe you're I right there. I don't. I don't know. The truth is that I don't know. But crossing the road the other day in a very busy part of London four yeah. four deep at rush hour I thought it was a very dangerous way to cycle people were very you know drive there was a mixture of people that had baskets and lovely bikes and just poodling along and people that were kind of delivery drivers that were just desperately trying to get to their next takeaway destination to make the money and I thought four deep as they're coming along I'm trying to avoid taxis and trying to avoid buses I'm trying to cross the road safely and I took one look at that lot and thought that has got to be dangerous it looked like Tour de France in the middle of London well, um, what, we, what we need is enough space for more people to cycle. Then it becomes easier to make good, efficient use of our road space. You can get uh, for, uh, a, a typical lane of a typical road can take 2,000 cars per hour or 14,000 bicycles, which is a more effective, efficient way. Of well, yes, listen, every, nobody's going to argue, nobody's gonna argue with your facts on that, Roger, but here's sure. the reality, OK? And when you take uh-huh. out the theory, unfortunately, you're left with something like Victoria Embankment, where you've got half the road has been turned into a cycle lane, which is fine. Let them have uh, as much space as the cars. But unfortunately, the cars are now all sitting there with, uh, uh, with, with exhaust fumes pumping out of them because it doesn't move. And so, in fact, it's not more uh, economically or ergonomically um, mature. It's actually worse for the environment to do it. Well, there, there are some very specific problems. With that criticism is not made of any of the other superhighways. The problems with the embankment are actually to do with the management of, of, um, of, of junctions. That should, be sol- uh, that should be solvable. And actually, when people say that that cycle facilities cause uh, pollution, there are no data to support that at all. Oh, so what you're saying is cars sitting in traffic don't cause pollution? Well, but there are fewer cars there. So the pollution levels... Pollution levels have not no, gone no, up. No, no, that's pollution wrong. Because, have, no, because pollution, no, levels, no, pollution levels are worse when cars are stationary. That is a known fact. 
not if there are fewer cars. But there aren't fewer cars. It's completely packed. It's always packed. There is, it's, there is no point and at which, and including at one o'clock in the morning, when it is not a traffic jam. It pushes traffic somewhere else. We all know that. They don't just disappear. It pushes traffic onto another bridge. So I used no, to be able to go did. over... On, on the contrary, there is very good evidence that when you reallocate road space, some of the traffic disappears. Uh, it, some of it reti- reti- Some people retime their journey. Some people just switch to travelling by bicycle. That's the whole point of... Can we not just get to a point, Roger, where... more people to get around can, can by we bicycle. Not, can we not just get to a point, Roger, where instead of arguing with each other we just agree that something better needs to come up needs to be needs to be come up with you know the government needs to work better with whoever it is they need to work with to regulate cycling in the same way that car driving is regulated because at the moment it's an absolute free-for-all and it's not working i'm afraid I, I, I go back to my, my starting point. I have no problems with the idea of, of sensible, proportionate uh, rules that treat cyclists and motorists. Would you, a, would, a, you accept, would you That's accept fine. that registering and, and, and having some form of a licence to cycle would be a good idea? No. Why not? And the government wouldn't... The government wouldn't I'm not interested in the government. The government are idiots, Roger. I'm interested in what you have to say. Why don't you want to be licensed as a cyclist? Because... The, because it would be hugely costly. No, it wouldn't. It would be a major... It would. No, it wouldn't. It would You've got a driving licence, right? Have you got a driving licence? Um, I, 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 I had a licence. I, I lost it in the sense that it was my, I had my wallet stolen and I never replaced it. You've lost so your driving, driving. licence and you never had so it replaced. I, I stopped That's I quite stopped weird. Driving. Uh, yes, indeed. But that's, that's my... That's my well, all right. Well, if you say when you did have a driving licence, it would be relatively easy to tack along with that a licence for you to, to cycle uh, around the country on a bike. And I think that would yes, help. Yes, but it would be, it'd be, it'd be every, costly, every bit as costly to administer. No, it wouldn't be as costly as spending a billion would, quid on a load uh, of cycling superhighways. Sorry? It wouldn't be as costly as spending a billion quid on a load of cycling superhighways, would it? It, it would be it would be very costly, and the costs would be either would either have to be borne by the taxpayer or by by people well, buying the. Well, license. who do you think's paying it for the cycling superhighways? We're all paying for those anyway. Sorry, I said we're already paying for the cycling superhighways. Where do you think that money's coming from? That coming is come that 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 funding is coming out of. Ta- uh, general taxation, yeah. which is where all of our roads come from, yeah, exactly. like all the motorways. Well, but, I think but... it would be behoove uh, everybody to get a proper, sensible perspective on this. Instead of having one uh, team against another team, you know, like some kind of Tour de France scenario. And what we need is to have the cyclists paying something towards their own upkeep in the same way that car drivers pay towards their own upkeep. I don't think that's unreasonable, but you seem to think it's unreasonable. No, I, 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 cyclists, most cyclists pay taxes like, you know, I, well, certainly adult cyclists pay taxes like everybody else. No, I understand. roads are funded. I understand that, but that's not, that, that does not mean that they should get special treatment. You know, I don't get special treatment because I pay general taxation. But listen, we've got to leave it there because... Smokers don't get special treatment in hospital because they, pay, because they pay tobacco taxes. That's a nonsense argument. I see. OK, thanks, Roger. Cheerio. Policy Director of Cycling UK, Roger Geffen there, doesn't seem to have any kind of way of becoming in any way medium about this. This is the problem. Nobody in the cycling world is actually willing to accept that they should pay for the privilege of cycling on the roads. Why is it that cyclists are so absolutely hardline about how they are right and everybody else is wrong? Let's talk to Aaron, uh, who's in Kent. Hello, Aaron. Yeah, hi, Mike. Yeah, Morning. No, there's no, um, sorry, Katie. Hi, hi. There was no halfway house for that chat you just had on there. No. I mean, to be honest with you, no, not now at all. How, how, do you, how do you disqualify a cyclist? I don't think you can, you, can you? Can't. You can't. You can't because the because if you don't have a licensing system, you don't have a point system. If you don't mm. have a point system, you can't you can't reach the, the threshold. You also don't have any kind of recognition so that, system for the identity of anyone riding a bike. 
No, no, you don't. I mean, I mean, there is talk about uh, helmet identification. Yeah. I suppose that could be picked up. That could be picked up by um, by electronic uh, monitoring or remote enforcement. But no, you you are right. I mean, and, and there, has, there has to be a licensing system because. Um, you, either you go two ways. You either say, well, if you hold a road license, uh, a, a vehicle license, then you, you can you can ride on the on the road. The problem with cyclists is, lots of them, and this is not a sort of a generalisation, but but you know there are a few of them that don't think like like motorists, right. like car drivers, and that's the problem. They've mm. never they've never passed a driving test. Now, if you don't pass a driving test, you won't think like a mo- like, like a like uh, a motorist will, yeah. and that, and and that that is problematic. Well, it is, because Katie was saying to me that if you stand... I mean, I, I, I've done it here in, uh, say, Blackfriars, and again, without wishing to sound too London-centric, you know, if you stand on the street corner of any major sort of intersection in London nowadays during rush hour, Katie, it's an absolute ma- manic scene, isn't it? I think it's scary. You know, crossing the road is a challenge because you're coming from all different ways. They're not stopping at the lights. They are very... You know, they're not just poodling along. They're cycling quite fast they're, they're considering racing, the traffic. Yeah. The traffic can't go as quickly as the cyclists can. No. So they're going much quicker than... The you're used to the normal flow of the traffic in you know heavy parts of London in terms of of traffic. So I think that there's there is a danger there that wasn't there five years ago. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah there is. I mean, that, that, your London Bridge is, is oh, it's 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 just a nightmare waiting to happen. It really is. Um, but you know, all the the, the acts, all the legislation is written. It, it's all centred around mechanically propelled vehicles. Yeah. So whilst the cycle on a road. Is a well, you could argue is it a vehicle? Isn't it a vehicle? It's not a mechanically propelled vehicle, and therefore, I mean, it was only a few years ago that you, you didn't have an offence if you killed somebody for, um, for example, if you were if you were um, if your standard was, for example, uh, the without the, the without due care standard as opposed to the dangerous driving standard, and you killed somebody, there was no there, there was no remedy for it. There was no offence for it. So they had to bring that in. And recently, they've brought in as well the uh, driving, uh, you know, if you, if you cause death on the road whilst disqualified, and also whilst uninsured. You can't apply that to cyclists, and that's all got to change. And, to, and, and, and for that chap not to argue that he couldn't pay anything into the public purse, yeah. it's an, ever an absolute disgrace. Well, I it don't really understand. I, well, I agree with you, Aaron. I, I don't understand why somebody who represents cyclists in this country does not want to regulate them, because surely in every civilised society, one of the ways that you make sure that people don't break the rules and if they do break the rules they are punished is that you make sure everybody's registered you know what is wrong with that there is absolutely nothing wrong with that at all that is you're you're right on the money there um i mean if we want to go down that the road to promote more cycling in this country um it's going to be very difficult because we're not like the benelux countries where they have um factored in into their road building scheme you know cycle lanes and if you go to holland belgium places like even italy to a degree where they, they start to get a grip of this your cyclists are catered for you have these lanes where where they are it, it's factored it's part of the the infrastructure the road infrastructure well it, it's not in this country i know there's a cycle super highway and all that kind of thing mm. but it, it's it, it's still quite dangerous because it was never it was never catered for from the beginning and in order to do that, it needs money, and it's not unreasonable to to, to turn around to the cycling lobby and, and or the cycling community and say, "Well, you know, you've got to you've got to do your but you've got to pay to the public purse yeah. as well." Yeah, I mean, and the bottom line as well, Erin, uh, which none of these guys will ever admit to, is that their agenda is to do away with cars altogether. 
and they actually do believe that we'd all be better off cycling. I mean, when I said to him, I can't take my family of four on holiday on bikes, I mean, he, pro he probably wanted to say, well, yes, you can actually. Just pack a few saddlebags and it'll be fine. You know, you must be joking. Well, I'd, I'd love to see um, a, a plumber or a, a, an engineer take all his equipment or yeah. equipment to, uh, to work on a, on the back of a bike. Yes. Yeah, or or somebody delivering. How about uh, getting your washing exactly. machine delivered uh, by somebody on a bike? I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. No, exactly. And uh, it, it, so it's, a, it's a great argument. I love it. So um, uh, it's a well done for doing that. Thank you, Aaron. Very, very, very uh, kind of you to, uh, to back us on that. This is the point. I would love to hear from any cyclist who actually agrees with me that it's time to regulate cycling. I don't know of anyone who rides a bike who doesn't think that they have a God-given right to own the road uh, because they are much cleaner than I am. They don't drive around in a massive, dirty old car uh, and they should be given every single right without any responsibility. That is the point. You can't have rights without responsibility, can you? The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, there have probably been times in your life when you've gone out uh, and had a few too many drinks and not actually uh, woken up where you thought you were going to wake up. I'm not asking you to make any <laughs> confessions, right? I'm not asking you to make I'm any confessions. I'm all too old for that now, Mike. Uh, we're all a bit too old for that now, but I'll tell you who's not too old for it. Alan Murphy Griffiths, right, from Merthyr Tidville, uh, who went out for a pint after work last week, right, uh, and woke up in Magaluf <laughs> in Mallorca. For How the sake. hell did that happen? Alan, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Good morning. Hi, now, Alan. Now, listen, now I've heard some, some tall tales in my life, right? But the idea that you go out for one pint, you know, it's not your <laughs> missus you're talking to now, right? So you can tell the truth. You go out for one pint and you end up in Mallorca. How did it happen? Uh, uh, it was a bit of a crazy story. It was young work on Tuesday. And um, after work, I, um, I normally go to my local and call the girl in the club in Merthyr Didville. Right. Uh, she was all having a drink. Told had one too many at a time, and then we was all on about all of these. And there's about 10 or 15 of us who sat on the table, and I said, anybody fancy just going on all these now? Just park in a bag, we get to the airport, I right. buy a ticket, and then the next plane out, we'll just jump on. So they all said, no, no, we can't, we've got work commitments, this and that. But the one, my one mate, Nigel, said, yeah, come on in, I'll do it. So I said, right, you go home now, I'll go home. Got 10 minutes, just chuck whatever you can in a bag, and it's just at the airport. So you actually went home first. So it's quite, it's quite sort of well organised then, because I was wondering if you were sitting in a pub with your passport and a bag ready to go at any time. <laughs> no, you know? no, no, we literally had ten minutes to run home. I live like three streets away, so right. we would be as drunker this time. So I just run home. <laughs> like I, I, I literally took three pairs of shorts, three vest tops, right. and I've had a flip flops in a bag, and I had the passport in my hand. Right. And uh, was your your missus presumably wasn't home at that point? No, she went. She was in work. Yeah, till about. It's about 20 past eight, yeah. All right, okay. And so when you then uh, got to the airport, what happened then? How did you work out where you were going to go? Uh, we went to the reception desk. Uh, we, we, we said the lady um, in the reception desk, what's your next flight out there? And she said, we've got one left. It's a 10.40 to Palmer. Right. So I said, come on in. I, I said, um, but that cost us 90 quid each. So we booked that. So we had a couple of hours to wait anyway. So we went. And we some more beer? Yeah, uh, Probably a bit too much to be here once again, yeah. Um, and then when I Google Palmer, 
Um, it come up Palma, Italy. So I, I said to Nigel, I said, oh, Nigel, we're off to Italy. So we had, we had a laugh about it. And then um, we went on the plane and then um, there was a storm over France or something, they said. So there's a two-hour delay, but they couldn't see if there was any more drink. So I said to Nigel, I said, Nigel, I'm going to go to sleep for a couple of hours and then I wake up when we get to the other side and we carry on. So when I obviously I went to sleep, woke up and then said, "Welcome, welcome to Mallorca." I was like, "I, I, I honestly thought." I, uh, I, Eddie, I was it? Was it at that point? Did you think, "No, this is not such a great idea after all"? Yeah, yeah. I was like, "I was like, oh my god!" I said, "Nights, we're in the wrong country." Like, so we just <laughs> laughed about it. And just like we just, we just better not make a get no hotel, nothing at all. And when's the first time your missus knew anything about this, Alan? Uh, she's been just as I was born the plane. I. I told her briefly, and then I, I think she, she thought I was joking, so I said I'd bring her back once I was out there, and then 2 o'clock in the morning, I rang her back. <laughs> so <laughs> what, when she when you spoke to her, and you, she thought you were still down the pub, presumably, did she? Yeah, yeah. She said, food's uh, ready, I'm not joking. Your food's, yeah, your yeah. food's ready, what did you say? Uh, I put the food on hold for a couple of days. She was like, you're joking. I was like, no, no. I said, see, that's how and then. And what about your was... workplace? I mean, what did they say? Did, did, did I mean, what do you do? I'm self-employed anyway. I work on a railway, so. Um, well, that'd be why the trains don't run because you're always popping off to Mag- Magaluf <laughs> yeah, instead of fixing the railways. <laughs> yeah. Did your missus not think oh, charming? It could have taken me away for a lovely couple of days yeah. away. That's exactly what she said to me. So now I've got to take her to Amsterdam now to make up. So it's going to be a very expensive trip. This. <laughs> I know. <laughs> how much do you think you spent in total, Alan? Uh, it was about eight hundred quid. It was. And how how long did you stay there for? Uh, we we got to strip um Margaret at two o'clock Wednesday morning. We drank all the way through, and then we drank we basically drank all the way through until Thursday morning about past nine. <laughs> and then um like I literally had enough, and I couldn't I couldn't even smell drink anymore. So I I, I run my mix up. I said, "Not can we book some flights home and then in?" And then we flew in on the on the Thursday afternoon. And then when we got back into Mercer. We landed Cardiff, went back to Mercer, and we went straight back to the club where it all started and got back on it. <laughs> so you didn't, go, you didn't go straight home? No, I didn't know. I went back to the club. You're a nightmare. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Alan, did you go for a swim at all? Did you see any of the sights? Probably about all the beach I've seen, really, because we didn't have a hotel from about 6 o'clock in the morning. You didn't have a hotel at all? No, no. The first day, we had to sleep on the beach. And then uh, we fell asleep at six, and then because it was a private beach, he woke us up at half past seven to kick us off a deck chairs. Um, so we started drinking again then from half seven in the morning, and then by about half past four that afternoon, we booked an hotel which cost us three hundred and seven euros. Um, and we literally took our bags now, had the shower, and went straight back then into into town. I think I don't think there's any other race in the world apart from Brits. And I hope you don't mind me calling you a Brit rather than a Welshman who can just yeah. go on holiday for drink. You know, yeah, do no. nothing else, just drink. That's all you I do. love the way he says, oh, and then I had enough, I couldn't even bear another drink, so then I came home again. It's like, there are other things to do, Alan. It's a drinking holiday. <laughs> not just Alan, know, not, but... not just drinking. <laughs> I know, I know. Have you, I ever, have you ever done anything like this before, them. Alan? Not really. I made some stupid decisions, but I think this has probably cost a lot. To be fair, like, <laughs> I think you might have done. I mean, and, and I mean, have you been forgiven yet in in the in, in the domestic scenario? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say yeah. To be honest, she took it like a champ. Like she's good as gold. Right. Did so, you bring her anything back? Did you bring her a present back or anything? No, I didn't. I didn't even <laughs> bring her a present. Dirty washing no, by the sounds of it. Didn't even bring her like a bottle of perfume <laughs> yeah, from the duty free shop. I mean, uh, no, I didn't bring something. What's your What's your girlfriend's name? 
Sarah. Sarah. Something tells me Sarah knows exactly what you're like in the first place. <laughs> she, you, you, you probably sound like quite a laugh, but maybe gone a little bit too far on this. Is this a trip to Amsterdam to cost yeah, you a lot of money? She's now confiscated yeah, his passport. Is. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's on passport. What got into you? Did you just wake up in a bit of a silly mood and think I want to do something yeah. crazy today? Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Every like I, like I literally work all the time. I'm either in work or in the gym. And then I love I love a good like three months stint, and then for some reason I have a stupid I wake up in a stupid stupid mood, and I end up doing stupid things like. But do you know what I think we should all take a leaf out of your book, Alan? Because I'm far too <laughs> sensible for my own good. I spent my life being sensible, and I think just sometimes, occasionally, you should just do mad stuff. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, just do it. Just go for it. Why not? Good Absolutely luck to right. you. Well, listen, good luck, Alan. Have you got any plans to go anywhere else? His skin. Uh, you know, skin. When once you once you <laughs> made once you made a bit of money next month. Um, I'm gonna take it to Amsterdam next month. So, uh, and then I'm off to Benidorm. I'm with the boys on the 27th. With the boys, oh, we need yeah, to call yeah, the police yeah. in advance yeah. and tell them you're right. coming. Okay. <laughs> All right. We'll see if you can do something other than just drink. How many pints do you think you got through, by the way, in three days? I, I, I don't know. I think about that. I'd be sick. They're probably about about a couple of hundred, wouldn't it? Well, it'd be a temp. He's on a cocktail. He's on a short end, like early hours in the morning. So, <laughs> a couple of hundred pounds of a drink, yeah. <laughs> dear oh, God. dear. Well, I would go off and give it a rest for a couple of weeks. Alan, thanks very much indeed for being such a good sport. Alan Murphy Griffiths there uh, from Merthyr Tidville, uh, which is right down there in the valleys. And uh, he's already getting a lot of praise on Twitter. On the lash for three days. What, what a, a lad. He- what a hero. But only in Britain, right, would you be called <laughs> a hero if you go on the lash for three days. Now, let me tell you a story about something that I need to get to the bottom of, OK? Mm-hmm. There is a world shortage, right, of golden eye. Do you know what that is? No. I don't, do I want to know what it is? It's eye, well, don't be ridiculous. It's eye drops, right? OK. Eye drops. Because if you've got a slight case of conjunctivitis... Which I okay, get a lot. Uh, which I used to get a lot, not so much anymore. I once had it so bad, I had to go to the doctors, and they gave me some um, ointment, and I had to yeah. rub underneath my eyelid, which was really quite gross. But it worked, right? But normally, if I get a little... My, my eye gets a little bit sticky, a little bit sort of crusty, which occasionally it does in yeah. the morning, you get this golden eye stuff, and it clears up straight away, right? I've been to five separate boots at Chemist and other places as well, and none of them have got it. And none a conspiracy of them, underneath? Well, I think there's something... Well, you know me and the NHS, there's something going on. It's got a slight amount of antibiotic in it, right? And you can buy it over the counter. It's not something you need okay. to get a prescription for. And all of them have not come up with an answer as to why it's not available, right? Nobody mm. knows what's happened to it. Well, you've got the press office for the for whoever makes GoldenEye. Well, get I, in touch. Well, that's what I'm going to try and find out over the course of this. Yeah, one. what's one, going on? One of my, meth, my one of my missions this week is to find out what's going on. My final, so the fine, my final visit to uh, to to the last boots was at the weekend down in Hastings. I went into the shop, and this woman's standing there, right? And uh, I and I was explaining that I said, you know, I haven't been able to find any of this stuff. Nobody seems to have it anymore. I said, I have my my conjunctivitis isn't really that bad, but. Um, you know, I'm just, I just need something other than what I've already been given, which is not really helping it. You know, it's not really doing any good. And she said, oh, well, there's some kind of a, um, you know, supply problem, manufacturing problem. And I said, OK. And, and so when was the last time you had it in stock? And she goes, a year ago. And I'm like, Ooh. so you haven't had it for a year. Are you still expecting to get any more? She goes, I really don't know. I said, well, have you got anything that is in any way, you know, similar that I could get? And she went, no, not really. Not really. Then I showed her something that I'd found, which has got the antibiotic in it, which they do sell over the counter, is ointment. I said, how about uh, if I get some of that? And she said, well, I wouldn't want to give you any of that. And I said, well, why uh, would that be? She said, well, because if you've just told me it's not very serious, then this is this is for when it gets quite serious. Oh, I hate that when they do that. And if I give it to you now and it gets more serious another time, you won't. it won't be any good to you. And I said, well, surely that's for me to decide rather than for you to decide. 
And she said, no, no, I wouldn't feel comfortable selling it to you. Oh. And I just looked at her and I went, it's a bit like North Korea, this, isn't it? And she went, yeah, it is a bit. And I just walked away. My kids I were with that. me, looking at me like, is he going like, to start destroying the, the, the shop? You go to pharmacy, you yeah. go, I know what I want. I know what I want to buy. I'm an adult. I'm over the age of 18. Sell it to me. Yeah. And they they find all the different reasons. It's not like, you have, you know, how many times do you have to lie to a pharmacy? It's not like you're going to find me lying around in the, in the street and trying to inject <laughs> it into my arm. You know, it's eye drops or eye I, I once was meant to go for lunch with George Osborne yeah. and that's cancelled because I had conjunctivitis and it's really bad. Right. And I said, I'm really sorry, but I've done a photo shoot for a magazine. Um, for and my um, and the makeup they used on it is kind of giving me this kind of rash oh God. And, 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 and I'm yeah, allergic yeah. to it I'm clearly allergic to it and he came a couple of weeks later the photos come out and he texts me to say um, something along the lines of oh it was worth the allergy because yeah. you know you look good on the photos uh-huh. compared to what you normally look like <laughs> the, the drosh you normally look mm. like and I said that took me a week off work because I couldn't go into yeah. work it was so bad wow. what, it was did all you look massively sort of like the swollen or something? oh it's awful it was really bad it was kind of all gungy and yeah. bright red and swollen and I couldn't mm. see out of it and my kids were kind of so frightened so do you have to me. wear like hyperallergenic stuff then? I can't wear anything on my yeah. eyes without my and every now and then I go to a party and think ah so it'd be alright and I put it on and then a couple of days later I really oh, regret God. it yes. but I mean I, I, I don't know if any if anyone's listening who knows anything at all about what I'm talking about this stuff this Mike's nice desperately stuff. trying to get hold of this product I mean I'm not talking about buying it on the black market or anything <laughs> like that obviously that would be He's, wrong he really That's needs not what it I mean. but he what needs I want to know life. though but I want to know if there's something going on because, something going because on there must be you're there just, must be. No, you're just a Fleet Street hack. There always no, is a story in everything. There is a story here. I know. I you can reckon? smell it. You can I can smell, smell it. it. Yeah, I can smell right, it 100 okay. miles away. There's definitely something happening. All I'm right. going to get to the bottom of it. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.